As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hiya, thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Athletic Football Tactics podcast. It's great to have you. I'm Ali Maxwell and in our sights today is a player who celebrated his 22nd birthday this week. A player who also celebrated winning the England Men's Player of the Year Award for the second straight year this week. Who has played over 200 senior games for club and country and scored over 50 goals. Today's episode of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast is all about Bukayo Saka. And to talk about him, I've got Art de Roche making his debut on the pod. Hi, Art. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I feel like, yeah, hopefully I'll be a good person to kind of get into the detail around this guy. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be talking about his positional development also his development as a goal scorer, something that Art's written specifically about recently with help from Liam as well. Liam Tharm is here with us to talk about Bakaya Saka. Hi, how are you, Ali? I'm very well. All the better for seeing you and the returning Michael Cox, who is back from down under, uh, fully recovered from any lag, jet or otherwise, and <laughs> is back on the pod. Michael, good to have you. Thanks, good to be here. How was your time covering the Women's World Cup for the Athletic in Australia and New Zealand? Uh, yeah, really good. Thank you. I uh, had a great time. The tournament was really good. It was, I think, I was very excited about it. But it was, I think, even better than expected, particularly the group stage. I think women's football is in a, quite an interesting stage of its development at the moment where it's just improved so much from four years ago. I think you compare the two World Cups and the quality is just light years ahead. And that's you know, uh, including the expansion from 24 to 32 teams, which I must thought, I must admit, I thought would kind of lead to a reduction in quality, but it hasn't been the case. So yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I was uh, able to write about kind of overall themes of the tournament. And one of the themes actually that really struck me being there is just how physical it was. I think the physicality has, you know, the improvement on sports science. I know there's still work to do, but the players are just absolute machines these days. And that was really obvious. So yeah, that's that's all on the uh, on the site if you want to go back and look at some of the overall themes of the tournament. Yeah, it's been a, a busy uh, couple of years in terms of major international tournaments in the men and the women's game. Uh, just to touch on 
Bukayo Saka, the subject of today's pod, winning the England Men's Player of the Year award for the second straight year, Michael, and, and in two big years as well. Yeah, I actually quite like this award. I know that there's, you know, some people can get fatigued with all these awards these days. But when you look at the the players who've won it over the years, it really is always about form for England. And it's often surprise players. I remember Owen Hargreaves winning it in 2006, I think, when he had a really good World Cup at a time where the, the more fabled players from the golden, golden generation were not doing it. And I mean, I just think Saka's, he seems like one of the most popular players that I can think of. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him, you know, in terms of his footballing ability and off the pitch. He, he's just so likable and he's um, to win those awards uh, in, in years where England have actually done well, you know, got to the final and then got to the quarterfinal. Uh, it speaks volumes about him. And yeah, the fact that he's only just turned 22, I, I must admit, caught me slightly by surprise because he seems, seems like he's been around for ages. There's an easy slam dunk as well in the sense that Harry Kane obviously broke the senior men's goal scoring record um, within that time period. So you could quite easily give him the award based off the back of that. And there was a great video. Um, I'm not sure who it was interviewing Arsenal fans outside the Emirates. And they were saying, would you take winning the Premier League? I think it was this season. It was in advance of the season. Would you take winning the league this season? But Saka leaves at the end of it. And all the Arsenal fans were like, I ain't going nowhere, bro. Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> that's not worth it. That's not worth it. That's our star boy. That's that's like your son. I think second place. Well, hey, that's real love, you know. Club in England. Mm. Cap. We'll win the league again. That's real I, talk. I keep Saka. That's the people's champ. That's our son. We've been through so wow. much. Wow. That's not a deal worth even contemplating. Um, <laughs> and, they were, and they were like, that's we, we will have question. we will have more um, success with him beyond that. And I thought that's just amazing that they wouldn't be like, yes, give us the trophy. I gotta ask Art about this. How much do you think there might have been some creative editing there where they've just chosen the ones that said that? Because I must admit, as not as an Arsenal fan, that seems surprising. Well, I mean, it would seem surprising, but um, it was actually quite funny to add to Liam's point. It was actually filmed during last season. Oh. So that video just kind of resurfaced this week and um, it was done by Goal. And I actually recognised um, one of my friends from school in the video. Is he the so, one that kept saying, he's like my son? Um, I don't think it was him, but he was one of the guys. And I, I do think, yeah, they could have just selected the guys who gave that answer. But I also, you saw the amount of people they were that gave that answer probably gives you a sign of what the general consensus is with Arsenal fans. And I think a lot of them would have had the same answer anyway. Um, so even if they chose to edit it a certain way, I don't mm. think it would have mattered. It's also a bit of a weird question, right? I mean, like... <laughs> Not mutually exclusive, really. Well, I would have thought the more Arsenal having success, the more likely he is to stay, right? Sure, yeah. sure. Saka himself was asked a similar type of question, not the exact same. He was asked, um, would you rather win three Champions Leagues, sorry, and he went with three tra Champions Leagues. So I think it just kind of shows people can give whatever three Champions they League want. Or, or one Premier League. Yeah, or one Premier League. Yeah, that's three Champions League. Yeah. Do you rather fight a <laughs> horse-sized duck <laughs> holding the Champions League or, or a duck-sized horse wearing an Arsenal shirt? Um, I, I really want to get into into the weeds really of Saka and his unbelievable development over the last few years. And, and actually in order to understand what we've seen from him 
in an Arsenal shirt for the senior team. I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, his youth career as, as far as you guys remember or as far as you guys covered it at the time. I, I remember seeing him play or seeing highlights of him play, not going to claim I watched it live, in a in an EFL trophy game for Arsenal, their, their under-23s team, um, and looking incredibly lively. And, and it almost seemed like in a heartbeat, he was starring for Arsenal's first team. Uh, when he was playing for the youth team, when he was part of that hail end um, system. What sort of player was he at that level? What was it that had people so excited about him at that stage? Yeah, he was just uh, electric. I think that's the word that I'd use. And I was at two of those EFL trophy games. One was against Cheltenham Town, which Arsenal lost 6-1, I believe, because they got a man sent off in the first 10 minutes and they were against men. And I think I, I did actually quote tweet it yesterday. I tweeted that Saka was the one bright spark who looked brave whenever he had the ball. And even though he was brave, he was still getting pushed off the pitch at, at the time. Yeah. A week later, they go to Forest Green Rovers and he was probably, not probably, he was the player of the game because... Again, started off on the left wing, but would also go out to the right wing and was just tearing through the pitch. Didn't score, but again, was really pivotal to two of the goals on the night just because he was able to drive with the ball. There was a time where he actually got knocked to the ground and just picked himself up and kept dribbling. And I think those moments really, I guess, stuck out mm. um, at the time. And have proved to be really kind of telling qualities of his... I guess, style of play um, for the past five years since then. What about when he did break into the first team, um, Michael? What are your sort of memories of, of early Saka playing for the senior team? Well, I remember Emery giving him a couple of chances um, at the start of what was Emery's second season that he didn't last, obviously. But I think, I mean, I first realised he was such a good player when he was playing left-back under Arteta in the early days. And that was when Arteta was using a funny system where it was a back four, but the left-back pushed forward to become like an outside left as part of a front five. And I actually thought he was perfect for that role. I mean, at that point, he wasn't really, you know, offering that much of a goal scoring threat. And he was kind of, you know, hugging the touchline a bit, getting crosses in. And the thing about him is when a young player comes in, I think especially a wide player, you always expect them to have a few tricks and a few moments. But there's also like, you know, weaknesses in their game and lapses in concentration. But he's just always seemed like such a mature player. And and that was obviously what, what gave uh, Arteta the confidence to use him there. And this is maybe a slightly controversial view because it seems mad now, but I do think if things had been, you know, Arteta was trying to completely overhaul the squad. There were a lot of players coming in and coming out. And I think if Arsenal had had a different type of players there, for example, if Kieran Tierney hadn't been inside, I do think Saka could have just made the left-back position his own. I really think he could have played it, you know, a little bit like Trent Alexander-Arnold, not necessarily that kind of pure cross and pure creator. But I thought he was so composed and so comfortable there, didn't see many weaknesses defensively. Um, so, yeah, it's, if you're a left-footed, like, wide player, it's almost like you've got quite a stark choice now between left-back and right-wing. You don't really get many of them playing on the left flank. And I think he could have been either. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because that whole left back, I guess, I don't want to call it experiment, but that period of time just came about because obviously Emery got the sack and Freddie Jungberg came in who coached uh, Bukayo at under-21s level and also knew that he'd played left back for England at under-15s and 16s level, I think. So he put, them, put him in there in a Europa League game, standard Liège away. 
And he actually scored from outside the box with his right foot in the game. And then also whipped in a nice cross for Lacazette to score from as well. So that was kind of, I guess, the genesis of that. Arteta obviously just had to keep it on because Tierney and Kolasinac at the time were injured. But also, I think, speaking of just the maturity of the guy, there were times in that first year under Arteta where he was playing as a central midfielder. Mm -hmm. Um, Liam might remember it because it was against Brighton, but he played as one of the left eights Mm -hmm. away at Brighton when... So Pepe scored and then Neil oh, okay, Mopé. Yeah, yeah. uh, the famous Mopé-Leno game. Right. <laughs> if you just watch Saka's highlights he, he from that game. He hadn't dislodged Nicola Pepe from the right, no, the right no. side of Pepe the attack. Pepe scores a scream so, in that game as well. Assisted go. by Bukayo Saka. So that moment uh, of time, you saw a player who was just ready to step up into any kind of role Arteta threw at him and was re- a really good, I guess, indicator of how, yeah, just mature, as Michael said, um, he was. And that's, I mean, the, the Pepe thing, obviously he's now considered a, a bit of a flop, but I think there was a player there. I don't think it was unrealistic that Pepe could have become a regular for two or three seasons at Arsenal in that in that right-sided position. And if he did, if he had established himself in Saka, where are you going to play him? Maybe playing left-back. And breaking through generally, particularly at such a top team, I think is always quite imperfect. It was very similar when you look at Marcus Rashford at Manchester United that you need injuries. Often it comes at times where you haven't got a settled manager in place for a long period that it just has to come through however it's going to come through at times. I might be playing sort of out of a position that you sort of generally end up um, coming into, but it's also a benefit, I think. It's a big learning experience as part of the game that players sort of develop now. And it's definitely become a thing on sort of the England side, particularly with the the youth age groups um, and developing players through is that you don't want sort of pigeonhole players in from when they're in their sort of younger academy days. And I think it's it's always a, a become quite a throwaway thing for players where they say now, oh, Trent played, Alexander Arnold played, you know, midfield when he was in the academy. And that's a very vague term because if you do that at 12 compared to say 18 or under 21s, that's a very, very different thing. I think people will now look back and say, oh, it was the hindsight bias of clearly he was this really good left-footed um, right winger all along. But it's the same sort of transition that the Bale went through. It's more valuable than I think people give it credit for um, as a learning opportunity. And, and as, as Michael says, that it's something that he could definitely still do now. And it, to a degree has done under Southgate for England for, for better or for worse. And we've almost gone full circle now where when Gareth Southgate puts him at left wing back, it I think it really riles up quite a few people that feel like they're just completely limiting him. Mm. I must admit talking about Saka and the left-back position, there was a time, I assume it was just before he signed his new contract in the summer of 2020, where Manchester City, it felt to me, really wanted to sign a left-back. Or, or in the end, they they ended up you know moving Zinchenko inside and doing some interesting stuff on that front. But there was a time where I thought City are going to go all out and make Saka their left back for the next five years because of the quality that he'd shown and you know it, you know the sort of perceived vulnerability of Arsenal in the transfer market at that time without him having signed that big contract. So that was a that was a big summer. I'm not saying that was actually going to happen, but I remember thinking that that was possibly on the cards that summer. Well, it's a bit like with with the Guardiola link. A bit like when it seemed like Barcelona were going to get Gareth Bale and get him to play left back. Like that was a big rumor for a, a couple of years. In the end, it went a completely different way. It went to Real Madrid and and played right wing. So, yeah, it does show that those players can or almost have to make a choice between those two positions. You're listening to the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Ali Maxwell.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. No, I'm just really happy. Um, obviously, it's been a lot of talking and yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, I'm here now and I think this is the right club, the right place to to make the next step. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful club, man. Look where we are. Know, I'm just happy. Bro. I'm happy. I know. Showed his commitment to Arsenal and everyone involved has benefited from it because here he is now on the right side in an attacking role. And we spoke pre-season. I put the guys on the spot and asked, do you think he's the best right winger in the, in the world right now? You know, we look at, at Mo Salah and respect unbelievably what he's managed to do uh, playing for Liverpool over the last five years or so in, in the Premier League. But there's definitely a conversation to be had in terms of how Saka interprets this right-sided attacking role for Arsenal. Um, how would you describe uh, what he's asked to do by Arteta? A bit of everything, I'd say, almost like a Swiss army knife, I guess, where he's able to hang out on the touchline. And you've seen, I think, a lot this season, actually. Very timely, the Opta analyst uh, Twitter account have just posted a graphic and it shows that Saka's actually the player at Arsenal with the most involvements in attacking sequences this season with 29. Um, Erdegaard's just behind him with 27. But a big reason for that, again, both of those players actually, is because a lot of what Arsenal do comes from those two on the right. Um, saw it so often in the opening game against Forest, where it's almost just passed the ball to Saka and let him drive. Um, sometimes it doesn't work and they have to work their way around the left. But in terms of how he actually interprets it, you can have him coming off the uh, touchline to receive as he goes in field. He can also go around to the outside. I think one thing that's really helped him in that regard is being able to re- receive the ball with his back foot. Mm. Something that uh, he really started to do more frequently about two years ago. And you saw, I guess, the the almost reaction to that was teams started to double mark him, almost triple mark him at times. Um, and I think the the good thing for Arsenal with that is then other play- players are free more often. Um, so yeah, I think those are the two main things that in attack you see from him. And then also he's obviously got the defensive work rate as well. I think that combination on the right with both Odegaard but also Benjamin White has been absolutely fantastic. Kind of saw the reverse of it um, in, in the recent win against Manchester United where the left side with Zinchenko, Martinelli and Havertz, obviously Havertz trying to bed in now, just wasn't as fluid and wasn't as dynamic at all. There's been games where, and particularly I know Arteta has bemoaned a lot how many low blocks now they increasingly sort of tend to face where teams will sit back and it just gives them the versatility where at times Saka can play centrally, he can sort of make penetrative runs. I think it was his only goal from outside the box in the league last season was against Manchester United where he far went in from range but 
he's evolved that out of his game largely I imagine as a result of becoming a better forward that can pick up those positions but it's still in his locker it's still a goal he can score and in terms of his assists you can look at his early ones that he had um, plenty of right footed ones not always a really clean technique but he's just prepared and he's very confident and very brave that he can play cutbacks or play looping crosses there's just so much variety in his game that's always been there and he's becoming a more refined player but he can still do as Art says very much a bit of everything Michael it feels like uh, sort of psychological attributes are always important to, to bring up when we talk about Saka as, as much of the technical ability is absolutely elite but also an awareness of where he should be or should be moving into uh, you know exploiting space is a, a huge strength of his yeah he's brilliant at that and I think he can do it in two different ways uh, he can come inside and find space between the lines in the channel very well but he's also very comfortable very happy playing right out on the touchline uh, against narrow teams. I think he finds space out there very well. He's very good at receiving the ball, which is such an important quality, you know, both spatially and in terms of the technique. Um, it's difficult really to find many weaknesses to his game at all, really. He, he's not a high volume dribbler compared to some other wide forwards in the Premier League. That's not to say he's not a, a highly efficient dribbler. Is that fair to say? You know, even within Arsenal, compare him to Martinelli on the other side. The way that they take on their man 1v1 is very, very different. I feel like with Saka, it's always very clear-minded, very little wasted energy. It sounds odd to talk about an attacking player that provides such incredible moments, but efficiency springs to mind a lot when you talk about Saka's game. One of the big differences, I guess, if, you, if you're watching Martinelli play, again, take the Manchester United game at the weekend as an example. He will just attack his fullback every time, whether it's going around the inside or actually taking him down the line to get a corner, he will just go. I think Saka's a bit more considered in what he does, but also he takes contact a bit better. I feel he's more robust. So there will be times where he actually wants the contact to come so he can roll his player and then get into the box. He's really strong. And I don't think people realized that a couple of years ago. Um, there was actually a, a clip that went around of a few pundits saying that He's the type of player that goes down easily. And Arsenal fans were like outraged with it because, again, if you're just watching a winger, it's an easy assumption to make. But if you're actually watch Saka, he is deceptively strong. Um, and I think that's a really important part to his game. We saw that from Saka in the quarterfinal against France in the World Cup where he got kicked for most of the game, really. And I've just quickly had a look at his numbers. His dribbles per 90 have gone up every Premier League season that he's played. Um, but his dribbles ending in a shot have actually started to trend downwards. And he's had the same number of total dribbles leading to shot in each of his seasons. So as his minutes have gone up and he's dribbled more, he's not actually consistently cutting in. Um, I think one of the best things that he does is that he takes on his line really well. So he'll actually sort of beat a defender over the first few steps and then dribble across them so they can't then tackle him without fouling him or risking getting a yellow card. And it then opens up the rest of the pitch and then he can bring in his midfielders. He can find a switch to Martinelli. Um, he's a massive team player in that regard. Yeah, in the summer, I actually was speaking to a biomechanist about how certain players dribble. We were talking about a completely different player. And then he brought up Saka and how he uses his body because he will try and get someone off balance by maybe a little jink set them off their line, as uh, Liam said, and then go at them at the same direction again. So it's really interesting how he does that. And then the other example we gave was Martin Erdegaard, who, who's a lot more shoulder drops and different types of movements to set someone off balance. So that, I guess, little nuance, I think, um, is really interesting. There was that 
type of pass that White plays to Saka that was highlighted last season and once you started to see it, you couldn't unsee it and such an effective way for Arsenal to, as you've suggested, kind of generate the, the important moments of their attack once they've built the ball into the final third and got it into Saka. And I thought it was really interesting because it's, it's White passing the ball inside Saka into what looked like space almost look like looks like an errant pass but Saka knows it's coming and gets the first step on his defender and you know that that has been an unbelievable small thing but something that's really helped set Arsenal on, on their way a lot yeah me and Liam have spoken about that quite often last season and I think that's just where the coaching comes into it um, because it's something that Martinelli and whoever plays left back mostly Zinchenko will do on the left hand side as well so one I guess You've got to have a coach that has the foresight for that. But then also the player with, as Michael said earlier, the technical ability to be able to receive those passes on the move and actually be able to make a decision as well. I think those are also quite um, understated or underrated parts of the wingers' um, games. There's a few really good examples of that in the North London derby uh, Spurs in the first half where um, they just keep getting in down that right-hand side. Uh, and if people are interested, because not often you get to actually hear a manager sort of explain it, there's a clip from Mikel Arteta when he was coaching. I think it's the Wales under-16s as part of presumably his pro licence, maybe his A licence. Um, and he's explaining why he wants the winger to roll inside. Why? Because the fullback passes to the wide player like this. He's time to go. He can progress the play. He's not always someone in his bomb. He wants him to receive it on the run and be, to therefore be able to play forward and to go forward um, and not sort of get locked in and boxed into those wide zones. What's Saka like defensively? What's he like out of possession? Uh, I think often the profile of the goal-scoring, dribbly wide forward is that you might not get much in defence. Do you think he's you know within that position above average, average or below average? I'd probably say slightly above average. When you look at how Arsenal go about defending, obviously like most teams now, it starts with the forward players. It tends to be the centre forward and Martin Odegaard who are the main guys leading that press. Um, and then they will be supported by either Bukayo Saka or Gabriel Martinelli, depending on which wing a team tries to play down. But I think what uh, will really, I guess, impress people is what happens once teams reach, I guess, the middle third and then Arsenal's defensive third because they're able to get into a structure really well and hold their position, get really compact. Um, I remember, again, the Tottenham game that Liam mentioned, there were times where it was almost a back six because Saka and Martinelli had gone all the way back um, to support and Tottenham just couldn't find a way through it. Um, so, yeah, I think... Aside from the normal press and stuff, actually getting back into positions where they can make things hard for opposition attacks, that's probably a big strength. I think it gives his managers options as well. And I'd go back to the Euro 2020 final where unfortunately Saka was the full guy, but I was quite surprised and I suppose a bit disappointed really that Southgate felt the need to respond to the way he played with the front five by actually picking five defenders. I know that worked out very well in the opening two minutes because one set the other up for the opener. But I think when you got a player like Saka and he was up against Emerson, he wasn't a great player really. I don't think he was having a great tournament. It wasn't starting until Spinazzola got uh, injured. If you've got a player like Saka who can attack and really frighten opponents and he's also capable of going in and defending as a, as a wing back, 
walk attacking inside, I think England could have played that much more proactively. There's also a really like basic tactical point in that the Saka playing on the right as a left footer will come up against a lot of also inverted wingers. So a lot of right footers playing off the left. Naturally, when they're going to dribble at him, it's going to be on his strong side. So not only has he got obviously this coaching this background and also playing as a defender or more defensively than other wingers, but he just naturally is going to be competent and strong when they're going to come in on his strong side. Yeah, Arteta's actually specifically done that twice away at Stamford Bridge in two successive seasons. So 2020-2021 and then 21-22. If you look back at those games, the first one, it was literally, okay, you're playing right wing back. Um, And then second year, it was actually more of a, hybrid because Ben White was playing and sometimes he'd be a right back in the game. Sometimes he'd be a right center back. And then again, uh, further forward, it'd be Bakayo Saka kind of dropping in to help him in that regard as well. So we have seen it um, for a few years at club level, like I think we've seen with most of his kind of attributes. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ayo Akimwalere, host of the Athletic Football Podcast, and I've just been joined by Adam Crafton and Liam Toomey to talk about Michaelo Modric's stuttering start to life at Chelsea, the unorthodox training regimes, his love of gaming, damning statistics, and much more. Available now on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places. Just search for the Athletic Football Podcast now. Uh, what about creating chances for his teammates as, as a final third creator what's his profile in that sense any kind of go-to moves or passes uh the one that really sticks out is just his link up with Erdegaard um so when we talk about creators we all we'll probably always just think of assists but I'm not looking at it just that way at the minute so um you're more than welcome on this podcast (laughs) where we've got a complicated relationship with assists (laughs) so on that right side there'll be a lot of times where he's in a passing triangle with Erdegaard and now Benjamin White um where it's almost just a carousel of whoever plays the final ball it will just change in different matches I think the best example was actually two years ago when Cedric was playing right back and they were playing Watford away and Cedric plays into Erdegaard and there's a lovely back heel pass to Saka Saka cuts it back for for the goal um, that's scored by Erdegaard as a more kind of general player off the right you'd also probably get those crosses to the back post for Gabriel Martinelli which come more I guess when Arsenal 
have really taken advantage of the width. The one that really sticks out as an example is Nottingham Forest at home last season where I think it's the first five minutes, the ball uh, is with Martinelli on the left. He switches it out to Saka. Saka just sets himself, puts the ball into an area and Martinelli heads in. So that's kind of, I guess, what he'll be tasked to do, get into an area where the finisher is ready to finish first time. They actually had, well, together, they combined for, for five goals from Saka assisting Martinelli last season, which was the third best combination in the league behind uh, De Bruyne to Haaland and after Bruno Fernandes to Rashford, which is, is fairly good, I think, when you consider the quality um, of the other two. This is one thing I'm surprised and I'd like to get our sort of take on this is that I'm amazed Arteta doesn't sort of switch his wingers more during games, particularly looking at some of Saka's earlier um, sort of deliveries in his, his career that, that Michael spoke about with, you know, a really good range of crossing. And at times it is harder, I think, to cross on the right than the left because obviously it, it requires more precision. But I think you also have to just take a bit more off the cross because you hit it too hard, you bring the keeper into play. Whereas on the left, you can get sort of those more driven crosses or those more more whip deliveries. So is there anything in terms of control or just balance that Arteta, you know, sort of sticks more, more rigidly in that regard? Yeah, I think rigid is a really interesting word because it's something that Arsenal needs to get away from. Um, obviously, last year they were very fluid in what they'd done, but it was quite um, prescribed mm -hmm. in a way. You knew... Formulaic in a sense. You knew the idea of what was going to happen. So against United on the weekend, in the last 20 minutes where Arsenal were trying to get that second goal. Saka did actually go out to the left and I was like, thank God, <laughs> because you just need more numbers sometimes. And as you mentioned earlier, the whipped crosses, I think that was something he did really well at left back and you know he's able to do it. He's, he actually scored, I guess, uh, off the left when he started as a right winger against Newcastle a couple of years ago as well, if people want to see that as an example of the benefit of someone coming off their wing to join the others. Um, so it is something that I'd like to see a bit more um, just because, yeah, when we're coming into this season, Arsenal need to have a few different ways to attack teams. And I think that could be one of them. I'd also stress how good a set-piece taker he is. I know Arsenal almost exclusively play in-swingers from, from their corners and from the right. He's been absolutely excellent. He had 27 um, dead ball shot-creating actions last season, which was one more than Bruno Fernandes, was uh, among the was 11th in the Premier League last season, close to sort of James Madison. So he's also, I don't even think it's a part of his game we consider because he's so good and so effective in open play. Um, normally, it's it's almost something where players have to compensate for not always being that good in open play that, oh, they offer something in set-pieces. And this is just a part of his game that I think we we just completely forget about at times. I think you guys have painted a brilliant picture of a true all-rounder. Again, maybe it's just me, but it feels unusual that you'd call someone that plays right wing a real all-rounder, but Saka so clearly is. Um, we've still got a few more things to get into. We're going to talk about uh, his England career as well. But just a quick one for, for any Arsenal, England, or just Saka super fans listening. Uh, the Athletics also just released a, a special one-off podcast episode all about Saka, the star boy, and his incredible story so far. So a little bit different to this one, um, but it features interviews from Ian Wright, from Adrian Clark, from his Hale End Academy coaches, as well as our own Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. So uh, to listen to that after this one, search for the latest episode of Handbreak Off. That's our dedicated Arsenal podcast. Art de Roche regularly pops up on that one or search for go deeper on your preferred podcast platform he's the one he's called god's child he's the special one who everybody's expecting the great things from 
when you see him, your eyes light up. His temperament is, I think, exceptional, as is, of course, his ability. He's a very easygoing, gentle, humble guy, incredibly humble. And yet he has this capacity to make everyone around him feel better and play better. It's one thing to produce a player of that calibre, but to produce a person of that calibre is quite another. Yeah, Ian Wright always supports me on TV, so yeah, shout out to him. We're seeing it now, especially with everything what happened with the Euros. We're seeing he's gone somewhere else in respect of the levels and his, and his ability. Saka again, looking to curl one and he does! His first goal for Arsenal! And he caps a glittering display with a lovely goal! Saka keeps on going himself. Oh, why wouldn't he? Glorious goal from Bakayo Saka to make it four. And Martinelli. And it came for Saka who scores in a trice. He can do no wrong. Bakayo Saka's story is inspiring, uplifting, educational, beautiful to watch. One thing that's not a technical ability, but it is an incredibly important one. Uh, and basically no one can beat Saka on that front either right now. He's got a consecutive appearances record. Is that yes. specific to Arsenal? Yes, specific to Arsenal. So it's 84 now, I believe. Um, so he overtook uh, Paul Merson. Um, a couple of games ago, his <laughs> that was my expression <laughs> as well. <I> mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I think Paul Merson's like really good stats wise um, for Arsenal in a lot of areas. People probably wouldn't assume that, but he needs a bit more respect. Maybe yeah. a podcast on Paul Merson. I mean, he was a brilliant player. He's one of the best, most talented English players I've seen. But yeah. I'm just surprised at that stage of his career, he was <laughs> not missing a single game for. Three years. Still going on Soccer Saturday as well. So he's probably had Good point. 80 odd sort of game weeks on that in a row. Yeah, he's always available, um, even as a pundit, as he was as a player. That is that is very interesting. I mean, Zach has been lucky to an extent not to have picked up the sort of injuries that players can't do much about, but clearly also in terms of conditioning, it's, it's just uh, in incredible shape. There's something Arteta spoke about with that as well, sort of saying that there's even times in training where he gets kicked a bit. Um, obviously, I, I don't assume there's anyone disliking him, but just purely his style of play and that he's going to sort of engage defenders so much more. Um, it's something I looked at when I, I wrote a piece and spoke to Art about this a lot in writing, actually, about sort of Arteta as a coach and the way that he sorts of designs his sessions. And one of the reasons why they will do lots of um, unopposed work or some unopposed work in sessions, you can often see them on, on sort of their YouTube channel, is it means that you're coming up against players kicking you just less it's not always a tactical thing if we want to rehearse these patterns sure that's true but it's also a loading thing and saying okay i need to ensure that this player is protected to a degree so um i think people almost underestimate he's a really really valuable and enigmatic player to have but will also cause you problems in terms of how you have to design sessions around him makaya saka in england clearly england's best player over the last two years won the men's senior player of the year award back to back but but how and when did he find his home in Southgate's team, it, you know, Southgate doesn't chuck people in for the sake of it. Michael, when did Saka and how did Saka become a big part of the England team? Well, I think really Euro 2020 was the the tournament that changed things. And I must say, obviously, they, they had 26 man squads for the first time for that tournament. I'm not sure he would have got into the squad if it was only 23, just because there's so much competition. And I know it seems mad now, especially this week, but 
I mean, the competition he was up against, Jaden Sancho, for example, just had a couple of incredible seasons for Dortmund. So he was always going to be in. But once he made the cut, I mean, there was no stopping him. He he, he became one of the, the subs you turned to and then he actually broke into the first team itself. And sometimes it just happens. It's not necessarily always logic behind it, but sometimes there are just players who automatically play well at international level. And I actually think, even though he's playing well for Arsenal at that time, I think international football suited him well. I think his... His speed, his acceleration, you know, the tournament match is often quite slow and a bit sluggish. And I think he was just really suited to that. And of course, you know, on the back of that, he he played a massive role at the the World Cup last year and England went out in the quarterfinal stage to France, I think quite unfortunately. I think England were France's equal in that game. And having just criticised Southgate for his selection for the Euro 2020 final, I thought in... The World Cup quarterfinal, I think that was his best tactical plan as England manager. It had Henderson going out wide, starting as a central midfielder, but becoming a right winger. And that allowed Saka inside into the channel. And all England's best attacks were in that side with it. It was creating chances for Harry Kane, winning fouls. There was a, a few moments where he could have won other fouls, other free kicks on the edge of the box. He was England's key player in, I think, their best tournament performance, probably of those last two tournaments. There's some interesting parallels between sort of his time early under Arteta and, and under Southgate. His debut came uh, in 2020 in a 3-0 friendly win against Wales and he started left wing back there. And when wearing number at, three. Wearing number three. <laughs> when you look at the England um, like lineup in that game, it's again that the sort of growth of that team from there with a back three of Joe Gomez, Connor Cody and Michael Keane. Trippier was oh, the captain at right wing back and it was a Danny Ings, Calvert-Lewin front two playing in front of Jack Grealish in the 10. So it was a, I think that's come a come a fair way. One of the reasons why Southgate will now stick almost more religiously to a 4-3-3 and not be as sort of keen to switch. So I think he has done in, in other tournaments between a more defensive back five and, and the 4-3-3 is that he's got real pure goal scoring wingers now. He's very similar to Marcus Rashford off the left who can play similarly and um, yeah, I think Bakayo Saka massively compliments, in particular, Kieran Trippier when he plays um, at right back. It's a similar sort of profile to how Miguel Amaron at Newcastle has benefited Trippier. So that is also really valuable. I think particularly for a manager like Southgate, who seems to like partnerships and combinations and pairings, that he compliments so many modern right backs and full backs that want to play in advanced positions that um, there's a reason why he fits so well and elevates clearly all the teams that he, he plays in. As well as that, dedicated podcast episode that you can find on the handbrake off or the go deeper feed there's been some magnificent writing on the athletic site about Saka as you'd imagine are at the heart of it uh, recently a, a brilliant piece breaking down his goal scoring record basically zooming in on Saka the goal scorer um, looking at his relationship with expected goals and, and overperformance and underperformance and the, the types of finishes uh, that he has displayed over the course of his career um, absolutely fantastic piece um, just on the goal scoring front how much more development on that front is there for Saka some of the world's leading wide forwards are now scoring 25 30 goals a season take Salah for example he's had six straight seasons where he scored 16 non-penalty goals or more in the Premier League including that one with 31 non-penalty goals if you add penalties and Saka takes pens as well he's 19 19 22 22 23 and he's got that 32 goal season as well with Saka do you think he could reach that level or understanding that he's doing a lot of other parts of the game as well, maybe hit a bit of a ceiling, a level below that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits that level, mainly because of his age. It's ridiculous 
that we're talking about this guy, how we are, and he turned 22 this week. <laughs> yeah. Right. Speaking just as an Arsenal fan, as well as someone who's watched him, I think there's not much that's wrong with his game. So whenever there is another layer added to it, it comes as a pleasant surprise. You're just like, oh, okay, now he's doing this. Great. I'm not really concerned about, I guess, the amount that comes because I feel like now he'll hit a kind of consistent level. But I do think that with age, with more, I guess, exposure in top leagues, like the Champions League, for instance, he'll be able to, I guess, improve even more. Um, and with that, score even more goals. But for now, I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. <laughs> I think there's a fair point about how he improves the attackers around him as well. So Tudor's a really good comparison on an individual level in terms of role and style and, and numbers to hit. But in the Premier League last season, the only other goal scorer besides Salah to, to hit more than 10 was Firmino for Liverpool. And he scored, I think he got a few on the final day. Arsenal had um, four players score 10 or more goals in a season. Michael wrote a really good piece on this. And I think that that is really important when you look at their overall goals scored and that Arsenal had 88, Liverpool had 75. So... Saka is probably a better team player. There are moments in games where, you know, in certain big games that, that Salah's really stepped up for Liverpool and won them games and been decisive. But I think over a 38 game season, his numbers sort of on his own don't always necessarily do him justice because he helps those those around him. I'm sure there's like, you know, basketball comparisons are similar for the on-off replacement stuff where um, he really contributes in that regard. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't always truly show his value, but then, you know, he's really hit you know, on a positive trajectory. So as Art says, I think it's something that as he matures even more will definitely come to fruition. Worth pointing out that he got an international hat-trick in June. Okay, it was against North Macedonia, but you don't get too many England hat-tricks. I think there's been 12 or 13 this century and the list of players to do it, you know, Shearer, Owen, Crouch, Walcott, Defoe, Kane, Sterling, like proper goal scorers in general. So yeah, I, I think there probably is more to come and uh, his numbers are going up every year, which is uh, obviously a good sign. It does feel like a player like this who's shown such amazing robustness physically, which has to be, you know, something that you look at in terms of projecting onwards and ability to stay fit and, and stay in, in good condition, plus the incredible uh, mentality and match intelligence that he has, um, both in terms of uh, him as a player, but also in terms of the improvements that we've seen over the last two years, taking on coaching from from Arteta and, and his staff. It is very difficult to imagine that this is Saka's final form, right? And that is so exciting. I guess it sounds stupid, but are there any parts to his game that, that you think could feasibly still be improved? I, I just think becoming a little bit more incisive in terms of passing and through balls. I think when you look at the development of really good wide players, I mean, I think Messi is the classic example of this. And I know it's very unfair to compare anyone to Messi, <laughs> but he started off as like being a really kind of quick, lively dribbler. Then he became a really good goal scorer. And it was probably after that where he became a really prolific assister. And I think it tends to happen that way. I think Neymar's a kind of similar thing as well. It tends to be the real incision and the complete footballing intelligence to play, you know, eye of the needle through balls that comes a little bit later. The only type of goal I think he doesn't score now are direct free kick goals. And I think he probably has all the raw materials to score them when you look at how good this ball striking is, has scored plenty of goals from outside the box in sort of free kick like positions, albeit on the run. And I guess that's just a case that Martin Odegaard is, is Arsenal's primary set piece taker in those situations. And again, I think the fact that we're speaking about a player this young and having to actively really think quite hypercritically about what he can add to his game is, is a really, really big compliment and a sign of just how good he is. Um, and I think when you compare him to, even Michael was saying you know, the, the likes of Messi and other, 
top players to have played that position as, as Lefferty right wingers to, to Bale as well, to someone like Robin, that you compare their career trajectories, I think is more relevant and where he is at his stage of his career now, at his age, both chronologically, biologically and, and in footballing age, um, feels like it might be ahead of some of those players that we're comparing them to. Yeah, the better he keeps getting, the less ridiculous those comparisons uh, become. Last thing, as we've got Art and he covers Arsenal clearly brilliantly in terms of, of tactical on-pitch stuff, but also closer than us in terms of the off-field stuff and the players as people. It was said at the top that basically no one's ever heard a bad word said about Saka. So in your extensive coverage of Arsenal and Bakaya Saka, could you lift the lid on something like he doesn't let people get off the tube first <laughs> before he gets on or maybe he's maybe he just sort of doesn't like animals or he stands on the wrong side of the elevator uh, anything like that uh, that we can think of nothing like that but if if the goal is to like kind of humanize him and this is kind of combined with Martin Erdegaard so at a point where he was having kind of car issues he got a lift into training from Martin Erdegaard I don't know if that if him having car issues like makes people feel better doesn't know um, how to fix his own car or maybe he's braking too hard <laughs> something to work um, on keep, keep a close eye even on that's this. a positive it sounds like he's only got one car <laughs> which you know footballers <laughs> yeah. often criticise for having like four Ferraris or whatever but <laughs> he hasn't just put wheels on the inflatable unicorn that he had famously in the Euros has he and just... we're going to keep a close eye on that uh, Bakari Saka is a pleasure to watch and it's been a pleasure to talk about him and dedicate a whole episode to him so thank you to Art for joining us for the first time but it certainly won't be the last thank you to Michael uh, on top form having returned from Oz and to Liam Tharm as well. A brilliant start to the season, Liam, on the pod and also uh, on the site. Make sure you're signed up to The Athletic site. Theathletic.com forward slash tactics is the best place to go to get the best current uh, discount on your annual subscription. And we hope you subscribe to this podcast feed so that you can join us next week on The Athletic Football Tactics Podcast. The Athletic. <laughs>